You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. Today we're going to continue our series, part four of the series, It's What We Do. And uh, what this series is about is uh, I've noticed there's a lot of people who say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian. They know how to talk the talk, but they don't necessarily walk the walk. And I do believe that God is calling all of us to do more than just talk the talk, but walk the walk. So what do we do if we say, I'm a Christ follower? What do we do? Well, we're going over a number of things. We talked about commit wholeheartedly. We've talked about give generously. We've talked about live purposefully. And today we're going to talk about overcome powerfully. If you're a believer, you are an overcomer. Amen? We're going to talk about that. Now, I'm going to give you an example of how the disciples in the early part of their ministry were not necessarily overcomers. Let's read about it in Matthew chapter 17. They had some learning to do. They had some growing to to experience. Verse number 14, it says, When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Verse 17, you unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long should I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boy, and when he was healed, and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples, how many of you love to see those miracles, amen? Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Somebody say little faith. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Does anybody believe that? Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, what Jesus needed to teach his disciples, a lesson on being overcomers. And I believe that today God wants to raise up a generation of overcomers. Amen? We're going to talk about this. What is Jesus teaching the disciples, and what can we learn from this lesson as well? Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be right here in your presence. As we come together, we do so in your mighty name. And we thank you for the privilege we have to be your sons and daughters. We thank you for this passage in Matthew 17 that we're going to study today. We pray that you would enlighten our minds and our hearts, Lord God, that we would be not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word as well. We pray your blessing upon this teaching in your mighty name. Amen. Spiritual warfare. Whether you realize it or not, every day you find yourself in spiritual warfare. There are battles that you deal with. And you may say, well, I don't don't really get into spiritual warfare. Well, every day we are tempted. You may be tempted in different ways than I am, but every day is a battle. And I believe that uh, God has called us to be overcomers. We face face battles between making choices, between right and wrong, between good and bad, even between better and best. And and today I I just want to challenge you 
to make right decisions, God-honoring decisions to be overcomers. Because we are in a spiritual battle. Why? Because the devil is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I believe God has given you and I the ability, the power, to overcome. Why? Because we're believers and it's, it's what we do. We overcome powerfully. So today as we talk about this, I think about, uh, you know, you may say, well, I don't really deal with that. Uh, Wednesday night in our men's class, we're talking about how do you handle it when somebody cuts us off on the highway, right? How many of you, are ha- how many of you enjoy being cut off when you're driving? Or nobody's raising your hand, right? Uh, how many of you say, well, I, I just, I get a little bit angry. For some of you, that's a button that is pushed, right? And, uh, well, how do you respond? You know what? That is spiritual warfare. Why do I say that? Because you have a choice to make. Are you going to respond uh, with grace or are you going to respond with anger? See, and how you respond, good or bad, right or wrong, that's a spiritual warfare because you're, you're, you're making choices. It's a battle. It's a temptation to react. You're tempted to, to react. And, unfortunately, sometimes we make the wrong choices. Sometimes we want to speed up past them and, and give them a taste of their own medicine, right, in the name of Jesus. No, no I'm joking, okay? Don't, don't bring Jesus into that if you're going to do that, okay? Someone says something against us or someone posts something on Facebook or says something behind our back and we get angry and our buttons are pushed. And how do we respond? Well, once again, we're talking today about spiritual warfare and our ability that God gives us to overcome. Do we have any overcomers in the house today? Amen? Life lesson. Wrong choices lead to defeat. Godly choices lead to overcoming power. So what does overcoming faith do? Jesus here is saying, you of little faith. So we need to have overcoming faith. What does overcoming faith do? Number one, it increases your level of power. It increases your level of power. Once again, verse 20, Jesus responds to the disciples when the disciples said, wait a minute, Lord, they came to me, they came to us. This boy was having seizures and we couldn't heal him. Master, Savior, Rabbi, Teacher, Jesus, why couldn't we do that? Jesus puts it plain and simple in verse 20. He says, because you have so little faith. That's it. You have little faith. Now, in the Greek, the, the words little faith together is a Greek word oligopistos, which means two things. It means dull to hearing the voice of God. So someone who has little faith is probably there because their spiritual senses are dull to hearing the voice of God. Because the more you do hear the voice of God, the more you're going to walk with God, the more you're going to be close to God, and I believe that your faith will increase. But little faith is attributed to those who are dull to hearing the voice of God. Secondly, the term little faith is, is, is exemplified by disinterested and walking intimately with him. There's some people who are just plain disinterested and getting closer to God. Some want to get closer to God, some don't. And if you're not, you're, if you don't want to get closer to God, you're one of those who has little faith, it says right here. So how did the disciples fall into this trap, and how do we fall into what I'm calling the trap of little faith? Well, let me give you six reasons. There's many reasons. I'm going to give you six very quickly. Letter A, why do we fall into the trap of little faith? Because we think we can do life on our own. 
Oftentimes we think, oh, I can handle this myself. I don't need God. I can do it on my own. Well, that's not what the Bible says, because in Hebrews eleven six it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we need faith. We need to put faith in action. It's not an option. If you say, I'm a Christ follower, you need to have faith. But oftentimes we fall into this trap of thinking we can do life on our own, of thinking we can make decisions and just proceed in life totally on our own. That's a trap. The second thing, letter B, failure to work it out. Sometimes we fall into the trap of little faith because we fail to work out our faith. That's what I'm talking about. Whatever you want to build, you got to work at it. For example, those who are bodybuilders, you got to go to the gym and work and work and work. Then you're building on your body, okay? You got to work at it. If you want your spiritual life to be built up, you've got to work at it. You've got to get into the Word. You've got to have your time with God. You've got to be with others in a small group. You've got to build your faith. And the more you do that, the more your faith is built. But if you don't work it out, you have little faith. Little faith. And one of the ways that we're, at, we're, we're challenging you to put your faith in action is the 90-day tithing challenge. Perhaps you're familiar with what we did two weeks ago. We introduced something to you for 90 days. Uh, if you would like to tithe and maybe, maybe you haven't been tithing, we would love for you to, to just test God in this. That's what the Bible says. Anybody like to obey the Bible? The Bible says, just test me in this. And after the 90 days from January 14th, which was two weeks ago, to April 14th, if you do not, uh, uh, if you believe that God has not blessed you, then, then what's going to happen? Then actually uh, you can get your money back. If you want your money back, just say, I want money back. No questions asked. We'll give it to you. Why are we doing this? Because I, I believe that God's going to bless you. I'm a man of faith. This is a church of faith. And the reason we're presenting this is I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. If there's some reason why you say, oh, he's talking about money, well, then that means I don't want you to be blessed. I do want you to be blessed. Last week I gave you this testimony from, uh, from Hortense. Thank you, Hortense, for sharing it. She says, on Sunday, the Sunday began, we began the 90-day tithing challenge. I gave more than my normal tithe, and I knew God was going to do something. I received my CPS bill, expecting it to be 200 or 300 because using lots of heat. My bill was $22.15. I know this is the beginning of my financial blessings. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let me, amen. God is good, right? Let me give you one. Another testimony came in this week. That was last week. Can we go to the next slide? There we go. In 1995, Rose says, I became a widow when my husband was killed in a car accident. I started attending a Baptist church. That's when I heard the message from Malachi 3.10 where God says, Prove him with your tithes and expect the windows of heaven to be open to you. I started tithing, and the good Lord has proved himself to me and my family. I have never had to borrow uh, never had to borrow from anybody. God has provided for me all these years. Trust him. He is faithful. Amen. Thank you, Sister Rose, right over there. Amen. Testimony after testimony, uh, because individuals are working out their faith, working out their faith. Letter C, why do we sometimes fall into the trap of little faith? We worry. We worry. Oh, we've got a problem. So instead of saying, God, this is your problem, we say, oh, we start to worry, how am I going to do this? How am I going to handle this? We've got a health issue. We've got an issue at work. We've got a relationship problem. We start to worry even to the point that we lose sleep. The book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Corey Tamboon says this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Why do we oftentimes fall into the trap of little faith? Letter D, not depending on the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we just try to, uh, we, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. My friend, you need the Holy Spirit. It's plain and simple as that. I need the Holy Spirit. There are times I fall short and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, I am nothing without you. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to live our lives or else we're going to fall into this trap of little faith. Paul says this in Galatians 5.16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. The Spirit of God is what makes us make the, the right decisions in life and help us overcome the enemy. We're talking about spiritual warfare here when we're tempted to do wrong, when we're, when we're saying we've got to make the right choices. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want to be an overcomer, got to depend on the Holy Spirit. Amen? Letter E. Why do we fall into the trap of, uh, of little faith? Because sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes when God tells us to do something and we need to trust him by faith, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. And we try to be logical with God. Well, the definition of faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, is this. Now faith is a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Sometimes we don't see it. But that's why faith is faith. We take steps of faith. And sometimes, even though to us it doesn't make sense, to God everything makes perfect sense, all right? And last of all, letter F, why do we oftentimes fall into the trap of little faith? Displaced focus. What do we mean by that? Sometimes we get, our focus is here or there. We get so busy in life, and we kind of leave God out of the picture our focus is on making money. Our focus is on doing this or that. And unfortunately, we do fall into the trap of displaced focus. Perhaps I can illustrate it to you this way. I heard a story of a, a Hall of Fame catcher named Yogi Berra. And one day, <clears throat> he was catching for the Yankees, and up to the plate came Hank Aaron. And uh, they played baseball against each other. And Yogi Berra and Hank Aaron had a little playful rivalry. One particular game, Hank Aaron stepped up to the plate, and Yogi Berra, the catcher on the opposing team, he tried everything to distract Hank. He said, hey, Hank, you can't hit. Your mama can't hit. And did you notice that the name on the back of her uniform is spelled wrong? Well, Hank didn't pay any attention to what Yogi was saying. The next pitch, he hit that pitch, and it went over the center field fence for a home run, and he was crossing over, did that home run jog came back to the home plate where there was Yogi Berra standing. And Hank Aaron says, hey, Yogi, just thought I want you to know, I didn't come here to read the name on the back of my uniform. I came to win this game and defeat you. And he went back to the bench, huh? Well, Hank Aaron was focused not on reading the name on the back of his uniform, which was actually right, but Yogi was just trying to throw him off base. But he was there to win the game. Oftentimes we have the devil who tries to say things against you, tries to poke at you and say things that aren't even true. But he'll try to push your buttons and distract your focus. The devil knows that if he can take your focus off of God, then your faith is going to drop. Then you're going to be one of those individuals with little faith. And the devil will poke at you and say things to you. But really, he's a father of lies, so what he says is not true. But sometimes we, 
we, we listen to the devil. And because of that, it negatively affects our Christian life. Paul told Timothy this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing have departed from the faith. In other words, there's some who are going to give you godless chatter. Be careful. Don't follow that. Don't fall into that trap. Because if you listen to the voice of the enemy, it's going to bring your faith down. So today, how can we become overcomers? What does overcoming faith look like? Number one, we said it increases your level of power. Number two, it speaks life into difficult challenges. That's what it does. Overcoming faith, we're going to overcome the enemy, speaks life into difficult challenges. The next thing Jesus tells the disciples as we're looking at this story in Matthew 17, after he says, well, the reason you couldn't cast out this demon, now, not all, uh, not all individuals who have seizures uh, are demonic. Please don't get me wrong. In this particular case, this boy who was having seizures was demonic, and we'll read, we, read about, we read about that. But once again, the disciples couldn't, couldn't cast out this demon, but Jesus could. So the next thing Jesus says, letter uh, point B in, in verse 20, Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Amen. Now, what is Jesus saying? He uses the word mountain to give, it's a figure of speech to remind us that there are sometimes mountains of a problem that we, mountains of problems that we face. Maybe you've even used that terminology. Oh, I've got a mountain of a problem. But why do we say that? It means it's a big problem, right? Jesus says, oh, you can have a mountain of a problem, but you need to speak life into those negative situations. And Jesus is teaching his disciples, and he's teaching you and I, this principle that we can speak to those things that try to bring us down. The enemy is speaking lies against us. Oh, I've got a mountain of a problem because I'm starting to believe that. No, you can speak against that and rebuke what the enemy is trying to feed into your spirit. You have a choice. There is a, a, a great overlap between faith and confidence. And we must have confidence. And when you have faith in God, you can have confidence to overcome your enemy. Let me give you an example. Derek was an 11-year-old boy who was being bullied at school. This bully at school, even though he was the same age, was bigger than Derek, stronger than him, and uglier than him. Derek was very much intimidated by this bully. While Derek went home and told his big brother, a 16-year-old big brother, about what was happening, and big brother was not having it. Mm -mm. Big brother was not about to let some other guy bully his 11-year-old little brother. So the next day, big brother went with Derek to school, and sure enough, they they crossed paths with the bully. Now, today, Derek had confidence. He said, hey, bully, you better keep your hands off of me. I'm not putting up with you any longer. If you try to bully me again, you better be ready to face the consequences because you're dealing with the both of us now, warning to his big brother. Well, the bully backed off and never again came at Derek. Sometimes, I got to tell you, that's what we need to do with the enemy because sometimes the, the devil tries to bully you and I. He'll try to tell you things and put things in your mind and in your heart to try to bring you down because after all, the Bible says, 
The devil is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. And he will do that to every single one of us. That's called bullying, okay? That's what the devil does. But the good news is we've got a big brother. His name is Jesus Christ. And we can say, Jesus, can you come with me? Can you come with me? Oh, and we can come to that devil. Devil, you are a liar, and you better keep your hands off of me. And now with confidence, we can say, you have no authority in my life. You better not come my way because you're going to have to face the consequences of me and him together. Amen? That's what we're talking about here. Amen? <laughs> we can say, because you know what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Number three, what we're talking about here today is what does overcoming faith look like? It turns the impossible to possible. It turns the impossible to possible. The next phrase that Jesus uses in verse 20 of Matthew 17, once again, he's responding to the disciples when they ask, how, can, how come we couldn't take care of this issue, but Lord, you can't? Well, he says right here, Nothing will be impossible for you. Why? Because they failed to put their trust in God. They were trying to do it on their own strength. So Jesus concludes verse 20 of Matthew 17, says nothing will be impossible for you. Does anybody believe that? Nothing will be impossible for you. But Lord, I've got a big problem. Nothing will be impossible for you because the Lord is with you, But, Lord, you don't understand what these things that are going. Nothing will be impossible with the Lord. But, Lord, I've been dealing with this issue for 10 years. Nothing will be impossible with the Lord. Does anybody here believe that? Got to have faith. Oswald Chambers says this. Faith is the indefinable certainty of God behind everything. In other words, you've got to be certain that God is behind everything. Even if there's a problem, God is behind the problem? Yeah, because he wants to defeat that problem and make you an overcomer, amen? Sometimes God is behind a situation, all right? And, and I realize sometimes it's the enemy, but sometimes God allows it. Why? Because he's going to prove himself faithful, and he's going he's gonna to destroy your mountain if you believe it, right? So if you've got a mountain of a problem today, I'm here to give you some good news You are a candidate for a miracle from God. Amen? See, because the only way you can see the miracle of God in your life is if you have a problem. So if you got a problem, can I tell you, that's good news today, okay? Because you're ready to see the hand of God move in your life. I I feel sorry for you if you don't have a problem today. That means you're you're not a candidate for the miracle hand of God in your life, okay? All right, so I may pray that, no, I won't pray that God will send you a problem, okay? But just be prepared. That the next time you face a problem, God's going to give you the ability to overcome. Little faith believers get bent out of shape when a problem hits them. But on the other hand, when a believer who has overcoming faith is faced with a problem, he doesn't see it as a problem. He sees it as an opportunity for God to display his, his power and show forth his might. A believer with little faith oftentimes says, oh no, what am I going to do? A believer with overcoming faith will say, God, I'm giving you this problem, and I'm not going to worry about it. I don't know how you're going to solve this one, Lord, but now it's your problem, and I'm just going to go on with life and, and not worry about it because I know nothing is impossible with you, Lord. George Mueller said this, Faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There is no glory for God 
in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Now, as I close, I want to tell you one final story that uh, how do we respond to this? Because sometimes when we're facing a difficult situation and the enemy is attacking, yes, we've got to speak life, not death, and, to, uh, and turn things around. But what, what do we often find ourselves doing? Perhaps this story illustrates this. A lifeguard was on duty one day, and he noticed a man in the middle of the pool drowning. So the lifeguard jumps into the water to save this man's life. The unique thing about this story is a lifeguard, as he was swimming towards this drowning man, stopped about four to five feet away from this drowning man. And, the re- and he just stopped there, and he started treading water and just was stationary a few feet away. And some would thought, well, why didn't he approach and grab this drowning man? This man's drowning. Well, what the lifeguard was wanting to do is he was waiting for the man to stop getting all all bent out of shape. See, the man was yelling. The man was flapping his arms. The man was just uncontrollable because he knew he was dying. And he was swinging his arms. He was trying to use his own strength. And the problem was, once again, it's kind of like us. We try to use our own strength and abilities. Finally, this man's energy left him. And he had no more fight. So he stopped beating the water. He stopped yelling. In other words, he stopped leaning on his own understanding. And that's when the lifeguard just stepped in because he was only a few feet away. And the lifeguard came from behind, reached over his shoulder, cupped his chin under his hand, put an elbow in the middle of his shoulder blade. This allowed the man's body to come closer to the surface of the water and rest on the hip of the lifeguard as the lifeguard side stroked to the edge of the pool. You see, that's like us. See, sometimes we find ourselves in trouble and we worry and we try to do things on our own. We try to manipulate the situation. We were like that, <clears throat> that drowning man who's flapping his arms and yelling, help, help. And we're flapping our arms trying to get out of that mess. And all the while, Jesus is like five feet away. And he's waiting for us to stop trying to do things in our own strength. He's waiting for us to stop, you know, flapping our arms and yelling He's waiting for us to rest in his presence. And once we stop doing things in our own strength, Jesus just kind of swoops in and takes us into his arms and takes us to safety where we need to be. But so many times we try to do things on our own, try to operate on little faith because we think we can handle it ourselves. And when we find ourselves in trouble, we sometimes need to get to the point to say, okay, I'm resting in your presence, Lord. And he takes us where we need to be. My friend, if you're dealing with a a mountain of a problem, it's time to rebuke the devil. Amen? It's time to get right with God. It's time to believe with overcoming faith and say, Lord, I'm not worrying about this. I'm going to rest in your presence. That's when he comes and takes us into his presence. That's exactly where we need to be. Would you stand with me right now? Oh, Lord, would you speak to us as we prepare for our time of prayer? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes just for a few moments? And I ask you the question, are you dealing with a mountain of a problem today? Is there something pressing in that has been on your mind and on your heart? 
I'm here to give you some good news. Jesus is just a few feet away. He's right there. And he wants to take you into his arms. But we've got to stop trying to solve these problems on our own. We've got to stop flapping our wings and trying to yell and manipulate things on our own. Yes, the devil attacks. Yes, the devil wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I've got some good news. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So if you've been facing a difficult problem, a mountain of a problem, and you realize today, you know what? I don't think I've fully given it to God. Can you be honest enough to raise your hand? We we just want to pray with you. It's your way of saying, Pastor, I'm here to say I'm ready to surrender this situation that I'm dealing with and give it to you. Could you be honest enough to raise your hand and do that right now and just say, Lord, I'm giving it to you. Amen. You may put your hands down. Others of you, maybe, maybe you, you just, you're just tired. Sometimes I get tired of the enemy coming against me. Sometimes I get tired of being attacked in one way, and then two weeks later, the enemy attacks me in another way. And it's, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I want to take overcoming power over everything the enemy does. And if you just want to, if it's time for you to just rebuke the devil, maybe that's what you need to do today. Because the devil is attacking you. If you feel the attacks of the enemy, just maybe you want to raise your hand and say, look, I'm ready to just defeat the devil today. I want overcoming faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you for acknowledging that. You may put your hands down. Some of you are not fully committed to the Lord. I'm encouraging you, today is your day. You're standing here in God's house today, and you've never really fully committed your life to the Lord, this is your opportunity to say, Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul, I give you all that I am. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I want to live for you from this day forward. If that's you, would you raise your hand? We we want to pray with you. We want to be in agreement with you because giving your heart to the Lord and making a choice to serve him is the best decision you could ever make. Amen. We're going to open up these altars. There are prayer partners here at the front, to my right, to my left. And we would love the privilege of praying with you, praying over you, because we believe in the power of prayer. There's also some altar space here in the front. But for the next few minutes, it would be great if you could join us in prayer. If you want to come, you can come alone. You can come and bring somebody with you as well. But for the next few minutes, we're going to talk to God. We're going to call on God. And I believe God's going to hear us. And I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity to connect with God. I invite you to come.